Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With no new SNL until the fall, we thought it would be fun to review Season 44's unaired cut-for-time sketches to see which one was the best of the rest. I'm John Murray, and joining me this week is comedian, impressionist, and SNL hopeful, Matthew Hawkins. You can connect with Matt on Instagram at hawkamania underscore. And you can connect with me at snlpodcast.com. If you're enjoying our show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. It's your support that makes the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already pitched in. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, enjoy. Matthew Hawkins, welcome back. Oh my God, it feels so good to be back on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, dude. How you been? Been doing great. Uh, we had you on a couple times during our coverage of season 42. We missed you during season 43, and uh, we just barely snuck you in under the wire here at the very tail end of 44. But uh, we've got lots to talk about, some new developments in the ongoing saga yeah. of uh, Matthew Hawkins' run at SNL. So uh, I really wanted to make sure that we got you in and had a chance to uh, break it all down. Yeah, you want to chat a little bit about what's been going on? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's crazy. About uh, almost a year ago, I was listening to uh, a podcast and it was uh, actually uh, Chris Jericho's podcast. And Mm -hmm. he had Craig Gass on, who's an impressionist. And uh, through that, he said he had an audition for Saturday Night Live. And I started thinking, oh, okay, they might be looking for impressionists again. So I'm going to put my name in the hat and see if it's even possible. Right. Boom, went home, uh, I emailed the great and powerful Steve Higgins yes. and uh, said, hey, I don't, I don't want to bother you, but if, uh, you know, if you guys are looking for an impressionist, can I get in there? So he, he naturally, he writes back and he says, show me what you got. And uh, from that point on, every, I'd say every week, I would send him probably two or three videos of something comedy related, impression related. And uh didn't hear anything back. Didn't really expect. I was like, okay, well, you know, that this is typical. This is normal. You know, you just keep on sending things. If, if you get a, uh, a phone call or, or, uh, from a, from a lawyer saying, please stop <laughs> emailing <laughs> yep. Steve Higgins. Uh, but yeah, I went through the whole summer just going, well, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep on sending stuff. Right. So, uh, then fast forward, uh, in August, uh, about mid August, I'm at work. Uh, doing my construction job. And uh, I compare this to the scene in Rambo 3 uh, when the uh, colonel and the guy uh, played Red in the 70s show show up on a construction site and Rambo's just working along, sweating profusely, just working hard manual labor. And they're like, John, we need you. And uh, that's when I went and I sat down and I was reading my email at lunch. And it says Steve Higgins. So I'm my heart stops. and. Uh, I look at it and it just says, what's your phone number? (laughs) When Steve Higgins emails, you answer the call. (laughs) And I'm like, Steve, you should have my phone number. It's been on every single email that I've sent to you, but that's okay. I will resend it. (laughs) So uh, now I'm like, I'm get up out of my chair. I threw my lunch down. I'm going outside. People are like, what's wrong? I'm like, just don't talk. I got it. Hold on. I'm going to be getting a phone call. So yeah, it was crazy. Steve calls me. And I'm like, hello, like, it's just, like, it just says, you know, New York on my phone, right? It doesn't say anything on it or anything. And uh, yeah, man, he just said, how would you like to uh, do a showcase for us? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. You know, I wasn't doing anything this week other than just, you know, hitting hammers and doing demolition and stuff. So I think I could fit it in. I suppose if, if you if you really want me to, I guess I guess I could make my way up. Yeah, I think yeah. I could probably make it. Sure. Now this this is this this is when the stress and the anxiety kind of punched in when he said um Wednesday. And this was Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. uh literally at twelve o'clock and I'm downtown Toronto and I went um this Wednesday. He goes, Yep. And I'm like, Okay, yeah. Uh just gotta check to see if my uh, passport's still good. <laughs> and uh he goes, Well, your passport's not good. I'm like I'm just going to have to call my wife and uh, we might have to talk soon. So (laughs) story short, 
I was like freaking out. This has been a journey. Uh, it's been crazy. It's 2011 was my first audition mm-hmm. I, on the main stage, which was a, a blessing, was uh, such an honor to be there and to be on that stage. It felt like, you know, Rudy Rudiger going into <laughs> Notre Dame Stadium, standing in the end zone and just right. soaking it in. Like the the history, the, like everything that was there was just, I think about it, I'm getting uh, goosebumps. But anyways. So now it's it's a showcase, and to be honest with you, John, I don't know what a showcase is. I'm just I'm just I'm just ignorant to it. I'm like, okay, I know I know sketch, I know I know stand up, I can do impressions. I don't showcase. So I'm thinking, okay, all right. So I blatantly asked Steve. I'm like, Steve, what's you know, what are you kind of looking for? And uh, he said, you know, just be funny. Okay, all right. <laughs> the least helpful advice anyone could give, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what? It's not a bad answer. It's not a bad answer. He knows what he wants, so uh, I have to deliver. Mm-hmm. So at that point, um, hang up the phone, call my wife, and she is frantically looking for a passport, only to tell me it has expired and that the office is closed, I think, at four. So now I am, I just, I can't believe this is happening. This is seven years afterwards. <laughs> Every year has been, should I send something to Steve? Can I send something to Steve? I'll fly to New York just to talk to him. What do I do? How can I do this? And I've gone through this and I've told you this before, but you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Right. Every year you hope that they're looking for an impressionist and, 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 and fit whatever they're looking for. And it's, you know, as a comedian, and if, you, if you're a young comedian listening to this, or if your goals or aspirations is to be on Saturday Night Live, you know, it is a, it's a very uh, emotional thing. Like it is amazing. It is the, it's such a good thing, but if you don't get the call, it's like, okay, let's, let's do it next year. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you go through that, you go through that in comedy. Sometimes you bomb, sure. sometimes you do well, but, uh, getting back onto point, went to the, uh, what's it called office, uh, to get my, uh, my passport mm-hmm. office. And, uh, I think I have everything and they say no. And, uh, I was missing piece of paper. I now the place is closing down. I waited in line for about two hours. Uh, next thing I know, I have to come back the next day. But now I've got to tell Steve, hey, listen, I don't know if I can make it. And from what the people that is organizing this and have to fly me out, they don't know if I can make it. So I'm in direct contact with them saying, listen, I'm going to go there first thing in the morning on Tuesday morning, but just tentatively book me on a flight uh, for Tuesday <laughs> afternoon from Pearson International Airport. So I get there first thing. I'm the first one in line. I pay the extra $300. I didn't really care at this point. And I am going, okay. Uh, obviously, I did not sleep Monday. I got out all my comedy books. I got out everything. And I'm just looking for like the funniest material that I've done. Uh, the Friday before, I actually did a stand-up show. And so it was you know just getting try to get stuff going sure. right get those wheels in motion again let's get going and not knowing any of this is going to happen i get the passport i get to toronto international airport and i'm not a big flyer i don't know about you no can't stand it <laughs> can't, i can't i can't do it i just you know from from everything else and on top of that there was a storm so i was like you know okay i'm really got to go through some stuff just to get to new york <laughs> I got to write everything I got to know. I got to fly through a storm. And that's exactly what I did after a two hour delay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> I finally arrive in New York. It's amazing. I'm so happy to be back in the city. The energy is amazing. It's surreal. I'm, I'm now where the hotel was, was right across the street from 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. And from my window, I could see uh, Rockefeller Center. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I just, I can't believe it. it's amazing. Like, what am I doing? I was at my construction <laughs> job at 6 a.m. yesterday, and now here I am in New York, like, going to do this. So I figured, okay, I got to work this material out. So I looked around and I found some comedy places in and around the area. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I got to eat something. I haven't eaten anything. And I found something. I'm like, I'm just going to get some Chinese food. They had Chinese food there at like mm-hmm. a drugstore. I don't know. It's really weird, but I'm like, this is a score for me. I love Chinese food. So long story short, I get the Chinese food and it's not agreeing with me, believe it or not. (laughs) Now I'm like, okay, well, there goes me working on this material. So go back, you know, my office was the washroom for the next several hours, but I got to do a lot of good writing. Sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a great place to focus up. Just in case you were wondering, uh, <laughs> any of the audience members here. See, now this, this is all the stuff that when you actually end up in front of the producers doing your stuff, they don't know how many hours of anxiety and stress and turmoil, you know, you've been through to be able to find your way to no. Hell's Kitchen to, to do the audition. So I don't know, like, obviously it's not their job to, to care too much about, you know, the, the, the trials and tribulations of, of someone trying to book it from Toronto to New York on a day's notice. But, um, no. uh, I got to say you rallied, like this is no small feat to, to make sure that you're there and, uh, and as much as possible be in top form. So, uh, I think you get high marks just, uh, you know, just for soldiering through it. Oh, and and that's kind of how I felt the next day. I woke up, I did a workout, I went to church. I was like, you know what? Rocky Balboa, before he goes to any fight, what does he do? He goes to the church in his Trans Am. He goes to Father, Father, I need a blessing. And that's literally what I did, minus the Trans Am. I I went in and I did the mass thing. And I I said to the priest, I'm like, I just need a blessing. I got a big thing tonight. And he blessed me. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) I went around 30 rock. I did the walk around. And then it was, uh, it was all systems go from that point on. It was, uh, let's get dressed. Let's get ready. Took a cab to uh, UBC. UCB. UCB. Sorry, UCB. (laughs) Sorry. It's been a long day. Um, (laughs) No, and I'm there and, uh, Luckily, I have a cousin that uh, lives in New York, and my uh, my number one fan. This guy's amazing, Adam Kruger. He's an amazing artist from New York. So I met him. He's my plus one, and uh, sure enough, we go in there. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with the place, but oh, yeah. there's a bar before you go into the actual theater. Right. So we're talking about the New House Kitchen location, right? Uh yes, yeah. yes, yes. So now we're in there, and. Uh, I'm just, you know, the, the butterflies start coming and <laughs> I'm going, okay, this is cool. And the next thing you know, like a hundred people come in, Steve's there, Steve comes in and I'm like, okay, all right, there's Steve Higgins and there's uh, Michael Che. Cool. This is normal. This is a normal Wednesday. <laughs> I know this is just, you know, just breathe, just breathe and everything will be fine. Uh, at that point, I made eye contact with, uh, with Steve and I went over to shake his hand and he put out both of his arms and I was like, is he looking at me to hug him right now? And I'm not going to lie. We hugged. It was, uh, it was a very, very cool moment in my life where I've known the man now for seven years and we're sure. past the point of handshakes now. Now it's a hug. Well, the whole trip was worth it then. It, and that's what I said. I said, <laughs> Steve, you don't know what I went through to get here. I, I flew through a storm. I've had Chinese food that not, hasn't agreed with me. And whatever it's, I'm here now and I'm going to give you the best I've got. Awesome. And that's all I can say. Uh, yeah. So then went in now, I, I can't remember how many people there might've been like 20, 20 some odd people. Um, I believe I was the only Canadian, mm-hmm. which was, uh, which was cool. <laughs> Represent. Uh, there was another guy from Florida, but I think everyone is pretty much based out of New York, yeah. which was cool to meet all those comedians. They were so nice. Like so many funny, talented people in, in one room. It was, uh, it was humbling to say the least. So, uh, I finally go in and it was a great crowd. It was a fantastic crowd now. And this this is one of the things that I I try to come up with. I'm like, okay, what can I do? That's new, but what's, what can I do? That's old. I do impressions. That's kind of what I do. So I went heavy into, you know, a little bit, there's a little bit of Matthew McConaughey. This is going on guys. How are you? (laughs) Good to see you. There he is. The SNL podcast, right? Then switched over to Tom Cruise. <laughs> I love you. I'm serious. This is the greatest podcast I've ever heard in my life. Then I, I went to Christopher Walken. Everyone's got a walk and everyone's standby. <laughs> everyone's standby. And then right into the Al Pacino from Set of a Woman. And I think I did. I'm trying to remember what else I did, but I did the, the, the best I could in the time that I had. And I was just completely honored to be there it it wasn't my greatest show Mm -hmm. but it wasn't my worst show let's just put it that way okay obviously if i wish if i had more time to prep it could have been that much better uh but again when you're a professional comedian you got to be ready at all times yeah that that really is the lesson for any aspiring you know potential sneller uh don't ever assume that you can just kind of let your guard down right like always keep your skills up always make sure you're on top of your game because hey if the stars align and you get a call you know you you don't want any kind of sort of like 
lack of diligence to make the difference on whether you can really knock it out of the park when you get there. So yeah, always keep your skills up. 100%. Make sure you can bring your A game every time. Every time, just yeah. keep it sharp, keep the tools sharp and uh, keep going. So uh, after the show was over, went to, uh, with my cousin, we used to live in that part of New York. So mm-hmm. we had a, a staple bar we went to. So we went to the bar and uh, had a few, uh, had a few drinky poos. <laughs> Decompressed a little, I'm sure. Decompressed a little bit. And um, I didn't realize it at the time. I went to the washroom, came back and my cousin's like, hey, did you see Steve? I said, yeah, I saw him at the show. He goes, no, man, he's sitting right there. And I, what I didn't know. I passed them. Everybody from the show <laughs> was right there that I passed. I had no idea. So now I'm like, oh no, they're going to think I stalked them to this bar and, <laughs> and they're, 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 that I want to do another show for them. And I'm like, oh, okay, just going to respectful distance, give them the salute. Hi guys. How are but you guys you? are on hugging terms, right? It'd We're be inappropriate for you to ter- not go up and at least say hi. But he went for the hug. Now, if I go for the hug, that's a different story, that's right? That's presumptuous right there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. That's just not the guy I am. So. I give him the nod. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. And if he opened the arms, of course, I'd go running in sure. with uh, open arms, literally. Uh, but yeah, I got a chance to talk to Steve again and just said, you know, uh, I, you know, again, for this opportunity to be flown out, all expenses paid right. uh, to New York to, to just be in the city to perform on that stage is a complete honor. And uh, it was it was surreal. I mean, seven years after the first one. I'm back. I'm coming back. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. I, I couldn't be more happy and or blessed right. for that opportunity. So I, I, I told him that a few times. <laughs> sure. Probably get, he probably got annoyed with it, but I, it was just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you'd kick yourself if you didn't say your piece, right? Like if, if you really want him oh. to understand the passion, you, you don't want to have any regrets that you didn't just sort of like leave it all on the stage there. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, uh, there you have it. Round two crazy who knows what'll become of it but uh the saga continues yes keep your fingers crossed yes for all of our listeners out there anyone that has any pull at the show by all means send around the podcast link uh let people know that there's a hungry canadian comedian that will bring his a-game every week that uh uh, he's a team player he's got that can-do attitude and he's just he's a nice canadian boy to boot he's not he's not going to be any drama for the show no drama he's going to just come in keep his head down just make the show look good. Uh, so yeah, Matt, congratulations on staying in the fold there. Thank you. I certainly hope something comes of it. You never know. You never know, but Hey, at least you're, you're still digging. You're still scrapping, doing what you can to, you know, keep yourself out there. And that's the thing. And you know what? I got to say this before we, uh, transfer to something else. The, the cast right now is phenomenal. And I, I, I watch them and they, every week there's, they're doing something that I, I'm just, I'm hitting the floor laughing. Mm-hmm. So if, if ever given an opportunity to work with any of those people, that would be a godsend. So they're amazing. Well, there's a lot of people at the top of their contracts too. So if, uh, you know, if some of the senior cast clears out a little bit over the next couple of seasons, who knows what they'll be looking for to round out their ensemble. You never know. So, uh, yeah. Always keep those doors open. Another, another life lesson for anyone that's trying to get into the showbiz. Uh, never close a door. Make sure that you always, you know, leave things on friendly terms with any contacts that you make. And just without, you know, being obnoxious, make sure that you, you, you make yourself known and you just kind of keep your presence out there. Occasionally, you know, the stars will align and you'll get to take another run at it. Be persistent. Yes. Don't be annoyed, but be persistent. There's sure. a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have hustle. You got to have drive. That's respectable. But at the same time, you got to, you got to respect people too and and their time and you know their, their patience. Um, awesome. I'm glad that we could, uh, lay that down in the podcast. I thought that that might be fun for our listeners to hear. And there are quite a few people now, uh, associated with the show that do tune into the cast. So, Hey, if anyone over at SNL, uh, wants to put in a good word or whatever, Matthew Hawkins, he's the man. Oh, stop. Hey gang, did you know that our show is made possible solely by the support of listeners like you? It's true. And in order to keep our cast going for next season, we need to reach our funding goal of 100 Patreon supporters. We've still got a ways to go, so if you want to offer your support, now is definitely the time to head over to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash SNL podcast. If you do, you'll get exclusive patron-only rewards, including our members-only podcast feed that provides early access to extended cuts of each new episode that contain upwards of 20 minutes of additional discussion. 
If you're enjoying our show and you want us to stick around for season 45, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. Come on board. Before we jump back into the cast, I want to give a shout out to Chicago-based improviser Sam Bowers, who's one of our oldest and most generous patrons, and who's spending the summer teaching and performing with comedy sports in San Jose, California. His all-ages shows are Friday at 8 p.m. and Saturdays at 7 p.m. Sam, thank you so very much for your support. And now, back to the show. Why don't we uh, actually jump into our show proper here and take a look at our cut for time sketches for season 44. Let's do this. So just before we jump in here, I want to give a shout out to Reddit users, Sick of Stew, Hano, and in particular, Luigi from Italy, who helped me to cobble together all of the cut for time sketches because as people in the U.S. probably aren't aware, but people everywhere else in the world would be well aware, region restrictions on YouTube can get funny with licensing and all that kind of stuff. So if you're outside of the U.S., you probably aren't able to watch the Cut for Time sketches on YouTube. So getting your hands on them can be a little bit of a challenge. But nonetheless, uh, these guys came to my aid and pointed me in the right direction, and we were able to lock them all down. And uh, yeah, so I just I want to thank them for their time and effort in helping me to locate those. And just as a quick PSA, before we jump into them, we are going to include all the YouTube links in the show notes. So if anyone hasn't seen these yet, pause the podcast right here, check out our show notes, link through to YouTube, watch them get up to speed, and then you'll probably have a bit more context for what we're going to be breaking down. And with that out of the way, let's put on our Lorne hats and play a little bit of cut it or keep it for season 44's cut for time sketches. Let's do this. To start with, we have a pre-tape cars. Danny O learns a valuable lesson when Aunt Pinky helps him challenge Kenny in the downhill derby. Uh, this is from the Claire Foy episode, and it was written by Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett. Uh, what do you think? Cut it or keep it? Um, as Lauren, as Lauren, I would, I would probably, <laughs> honestly, you're not helping your odds. You're not helping your odds. <laughs> I really, <laughs> you know, you don't pull out the Lauren impression. You don't commit that to tape. <laughs> you don't want any. Any evidence okay. of that mm, out right. there in the intertubes? Okay, okay. So I would say, I'm going to do this to Stewie instead. <laughs> okay. I, w- I would say probably cut it. Um, just for the for a few reasons, actually. Um, first of all, I, I thought it was kind of fun in a sense because it was like a full health episode. It's like a... Yes. Yeah, family-friendly TGIF-esque early 90s sitcom fair yes i I like the premise i like the premise i like the visual i like how it's kind of corny i like when uh, mooney would grab something and smash it over beck's head (laughs) and it's just awkward like these guys i I love how awkward they can be and this is uh this is a perfect example of how awkward they can be and uh i I, you know what i was kind of expecting the uh the sketch to go into like the full house realm where there's a lesson to be learned and the music comes down I was kind of hoping for that. It never kind of went through with it, but yeah, I would say, I would say a cut. Okay. Now you see, I think they kind of played with that whole idea because right at the very end of the sketch, right when they're supposed to get the lesson and they don't really learn the lesson and Claire Foy is about to speak up, they cut right. really abruptly. Like, you know, there's no time to listen to a girl about any of this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so for my money, I think if you're going to make a cut, it was probably a fairly good cut, but the Claire Foy episode wasn't the strongest Mm. end to end, if I recall. And I think a little bit of more like absurdist material, I think maybe could have helped that particular show. Uh, I can see why it got cut. It wasn't the strongest of these Beck and Kyle spoofs on Mm. uh, like an old corny sitcom, Um, but it was serviceable. It was perfectly good. So I think. I probably would have swapped it in and kept it in the show if I could. But you know, when, when it comes down to timing, you don't always have that option. It, sometimes the cuts make themselves just depending on what you have to work with for the, the show clock. But I liked it. I, I thought it was serviceable. I enjoyed it. I, I smirk at all the little, um, the, the abrupt cut scenes that are totally out of context. You know, like rather than show the house that they're in, they show like an igloo or they show like marching ants in the desert or whatever. Like there's, there's, something very absurd and surreal about it too. And, and I do like that. Uh, That always keeps me grinning, but this wasn't the best one we've seen of these. We had one with, um, was it Larry David? I think where he's like the drunk family member (laughs) that I think was probably a a better version of this, this concept. So we've seen better. So I, I I get it. This wasn't groundbreaking, but I still had fun with it. I I thought this was pretty good. I think it's worth checking out if nothing else, but I'd agree with you. I probably would have cut it too on a strong episode on Claire Foy. eh, Maybe it would have squeaked by. Right. All right, uh, let's keep it moving. After that, we get a pre-tape glitter, litter, automatic glitter factory. Uh, 
you can turn your cat's crap into some serious bling. This is from the Matt Damon Christmas episode. What do you think? Cut it or keep it? Oh my God, keep it. It is, this <laughs> is right from the get-go. Like SNL does like some of the best commercial parodies yes. ever. Well, they do the best ever. There's nobody you can do it better. But right. uh, they, they hit every mark on this commercial. Uh, Matt Damon, the first thing... <laughs> says cats suck and it's just like you got me you got me (laughs) right right away i'm already on the floor laughing he's so committed to play this character it kind of reminded me a little bit when uh will ferrell did uh dissing your dog right uh back in the day so it was kind (laughs) of in that kind of realm but great premise um (laughs) i just it was hilarious it was absolutely like he's just he doesn't he doesn't like cats but yet he has cats and he's making money off the cats yeah like Perfect. I'm in. Yep. Uh, agreed on all points. He's playing the likable pitch man. He's very middle of the road. You know, just his presence is very pleasant and positive, but he's yeah. really saying these devastating things about, you know, just how horrible cats are. And, uh, so that right off the bat is just a great way to subvert that character. Yeah. But you didn't even need that. Like that's the icing on the cake. The visuals of like, I think the best one is when he makes his grill at the end the and grill. then he puts it in. You're yeah. like, okay, he's putting cat crap in his mouth. And like, yeah. that is just so fun to, to have that like gross out moment, but also just how corny the whole notion <laughs> of blinging out cat crap and how everybody loves it. And they just immediately just want to throw down all their money for one of these, you know, necklaces or, you know, pinky rings or whatever. So I really enjoy this. Uh, I think it's a bit of a shame that it didn't make the show. That was a good show, but I think this one would have made it better. I think this was as good as any material in that show. Uh, so yeah, this definitely would have been a, a keep it for me horny and crappy at the same time there you go yeah uh yeah a lot of fun and matt damon sold it he really did a good job uh moving right along we get another pre-tape diane feinstein can't not mock and berate children this is from the john mulaney episode and it was written by Sudi green fran gillespie and cecily strong who also played diane feinstein so uh what do you think cut it or keep it I'm saying keep it. Um, she is hilarious in this sketch. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can swear at children and then do <laughs> say Dio yeah. is going to land and it landed perfectly. Yeah, it was uh, it was hilarious. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it, too. I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Uh, but because it's very specific political material, it doesn't age really well. So just as a sketch that will live on on YouTube, I don't think that this is a must watch at this point. Mm. But. I have a feeling it would have, you know, served the Mulaney show. Well, the John Mulaney show, because they did their big epic follow-up to diner lobster, um, the whole back half of that show, the timing was all wonky and they actually, I think they came up short or long or just something really weird where they didn't even get to do their 10 to one. Mm. So I think if that show had just played out with better timing, this obviously, you know, would have been included. There's, there's nothing here that I don't feel came together as a, as a pre-tape. I, I think it was perfectly good material, uh, and strong enough to, to cut through on a Mulaney episode, which are, um, traditionally tent poles for the season. So yeah, this was good material. Um, I would have kept it. Agreed. Cool. Let's keep it rolling here. After that new cast member, Adam Zeekman is struggling to break out. This is a foray into the SNL cinematic universe. And it's from the Idris Elba episode. What'd you think? Would you cut it or keep it? Keep it all day, every week. This character is gold. Uh, Kyle Mooney uh, has, has got lightning in the bottle with this guy. <laughs> you know what? I've seen him do a lot of funny stuff. This is by far, this is the funniest sketch I've ever seen Kyle Mooney in by far. This is amazing. This awkward character that's his first year in SNL. Maybe the, you know, that's what it's like. I, you know, maybe one day I'll find out. I don't know. Uh, hopefully I won't be that awkward, but, uh, <laughs> Nonetheless, out of all of his awkward characters, his mannerisms, the way he talked to everybody, um, Leslie told him just told him F off, whatever. <laughs> yeah. She has no patience for this little dweeb. He has no respect. <laughs> I like where the story went. And on top of that, I know Kyle was playing both characters himself and, and Adam, but I got to say, Kyle Mooney is a very good actor. Mm-hmm. As a straight man to himself, he's very good. Yes. I was, I have to make note of that because I was really impressed. I thought it was fantastic. Yep. I had a lot of fun with this too. I don't think they've ever struck out with these SNL cinematic universe outings. They always incorporate some sort of bizarre cast event that <laughs> is always kind of the button on the sketch. Like, sometimes they have a duel sometimes they have like the ball you know the masquerade ball or whatever it is uh one time it was a piano recital for little lorne um they always bring it to a head in in a very like surreal weird 
kind of way. Um, and this time having the carnival where he fraudulently wins his way onto weekend update. And then for whatever reason, you know, there's SNL police on hand to drag him off to, uh, some gulag where he dies hours later. All of that is just like such a, a bizarre fun twist to throw on the end that I, I felt like not only was this just a fun ride to be backstage at SNL in, in kind of this heightened yeah. reality, but they had a really great out for it. And it was just a really satisfying end to end little outing. Um, so yeah, super high marks. I feel that this is a bit of a tragedy. This is one that I, I would have fought for. I think that this, I think that these SNLCU ones should almost always make it through, especially when they're maintaining this caliber of material. Uh, so yeah, big win. I would have kept it. 100% agree. Absolutely. After that, we get a live sketch. A college admissions committee weighs the merits of their applicants. Obviously, this is topical in light of the college admissions scandals. This is from the Sandra O episode. What do you think? Cut it or keep it? Uh, I'd definitely keep it. Yeah. It is very strong. Great beginning, middle and end to a sketch mm-hmm. all the way around. Hilarious jokes. <laughs> the the gay redskin mascot <laughs> chief. <laughs> Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Heidi's delivery on that was solid. I re- that was a really fun little moment in the middle there. It was hilarious because you, you picture this, this actually happens. There's these universities that people are going through and looking at pictures going, eh, do we want them or not? And mm-hmm. I just thought the concept, you know, is, is really, really good. And, uh, again, the beginning, the middle and the end hilarious. Yep. Solid. One of the big critiques of season 44, uh, at least on our podcast has been how they've been running at political stuff, current event stuff. It hasn't always felt like they had like an inspired way into the material. A lot of times it's just, here's a bunch of one-off jokes about a topic. That's usually how they open the show now um, for right. a lot of their like political week and review stuff with Trump. This is an example of where you get it right. You find the funny, you figure out really where the joke is in this crazy situation. And you just wrap it all up in a fun little bow there at the end where She's setting them up. They kind of know they're being set up, but they're such idiots that they can't help themselves <laughs> from saying these inflammatory things. And then obviously the, the reveal that we all knew was coming, you know, that, that she's a cop. It's kind of like the, the SNL CU thing, like where there's just a really yeah. abrupt turn, but it's a very satisfying conclusion to the sketch. So this is good writing. It's topical. They found the funny in what can really be skewered about the real news story that underpins it. And then just to put a bow on it, they had a really satisfying out. So yeah, this was solid. I would have kept it if at all possible. I would I just want to say this. I made note of this. Uh, Keenan broke it in the sketch. <laughs> and I mean, whenever someone breaks, it means everybody's having fun and they're making each other laugh. Right. And to me, that really helps the sketch. I mean, you don't want to do it too many times. Obviously, it's frowned upon. Right. Uh, definitely on that show. But, you know, Keenan Thompson, he's amazing. <laughs> so when he breaks, <laughs> then you laugh. Sure. And, uh, I just, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. It did seem like there was a, a fun energy. Sandra. Oh, I, I think she made her show a little bit better because you could tell that she was really game and she was mm-hmm. having a lot of fun in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do see that spill over a little bit here too. So yeah, yeah. this was fun. Um, would have liked to see it on the show, but yep. glad that it still exists somewhere. Uh, let's keep moving here. We got a pre-tape Chad finds closure when a near death experience reunites him with his deceased father. This is from the Adam Sandler episode, who is now officially cast as Chad's dad, should we ever need to see that again. And this is a Mikey Streeter outing with an assist from Pete, obviously, for his character. Uh, What do you think? Cut it or keep it? Definitely keep it. I love these pairing of Adam Sandler, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) it's it's amazing. Pete Davidson always reminded me of Adam Sandler, and to have them, you know, he has his weekend update thing where he's just hilarious, and Adam obviously had that. So there is those similarities and to have him play his father, I was like, okay, yeah. perfect. Number one out of the gate. Uh, it was fascinating story. It was funny that Pete just played this. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like, you know, to me, that's hilarious. There's this, sure. this guardian angel that's trying so hard to get an emotional <laughs> connection between the father and son. And he, he can't, he can't do anything. He's not doing anything because his father's the same way. They had uh, a couple really funny uh just blue collar humor, you know, <laughs> balls deep in the bush. You're like, that's amazing. You're like, I find that to me, that's hilarious, you know? And then near the end, he says, you know, you, do you have anything, you, you have any questions for your son? And Adam's just like, you, you, uh, you got a big dick there. You know? <laughs> and it, that's like, that's like, that's hilarious because, you know, I don't know. Like to me, that's funny. Yeah. And, and, and very at the end when <laughs> again, blue collar comedy, when Pete farted, and said safety. safety. Yeah. I I haven't heard that in like twenty years. 
So thank you, Pete Davidson, for bringing that back. So I, I'm in 100%. Definitely keep it. Yeah. Uh, Chad is a character with no subtext. You know, everything that you ever need to know about him is right there in front of you. There's just nothing else going on behind the eyes. Uh, so to have that simplistic kind of a character be so nicely complimented by Adam Sandler's take on it and just see that they are kindred spirits. Like this is his dad's son. Um, great. You know, that's, that's inspired casting. Like you said, for, for SNL nerds that know that back in the day, Adam Sandler was the, uh, like resident young person in the cast who had the, you know, the awkward, weird standup that was maybe for a newer sensibility. Uh, like he helped kind of pull the show into the nineties in a way. And he was heavily featured on weekend update. So there's all these parallels of Adam Sandler sort of in the SNL sphere being like an earlier incarnation of Pete Davidson in some ways, and obviously in other ways, not so much. Um, but if, if you can tap into that little bit of meta, it's also inspired casting right there. So mm. I really liked it. I thought it was great and brilliant that they saw the obvious need to tie Adam Sandler to Chad's world. It was uh, a fun way to run out another Chad sketch. They're getting a little bit uh, more cinematic and a little bit more bizarre each time they go at it now, which is fun because they need mm-hmm. to find something to keep it fresh. It can't just always be, yeah. you know, someone who's lovelorn over him and he's oblivious. They did that, you know, a half a dozen times yeah. and then they realized, no, no, he needs to, you know, we need to bring him into a fantasy world or we need to bring him into a horror movie. Like Chad needs to run at different genres now to keep the the sketch fresh and they're doing that. And that's great. If you're going to have a recurring character, mm-hmm. figure out how to keep it fresh. And that's one thing that they're just doing with a plum with, with yes. Chad. And I'm surprised how much I'm continuing to enjoy seeing his outings. So yeah, more high marks. I would keep this one as well. We're it, it's funny kind of running through these. We haven't had too many like real bottom out misses here. And no. maybe they only released the cut for time sketches that they were particularly proud of because they, they knew that they had some merit and needed to see the light of day. But we've got a solid episode of SNL here just with our cut for time sketches this year. And I, I think that that's kind of telling. I wonder if, you know, if some different decisions had been made, we'd have a couple stronger episodes if some of these had uh, been there in place of some of the duds that we had throughout the season. But this is another one that I would have liked to see in the show if at all possible. Yeah, no, uh, we don't, you know, when you dissect these shows, um, you don't really think of like, you know, someone's got to make a decision on the sketches and that's a very tough thing to go through every week, especially live, you Mm. know, with minutes, seconds to go. And what do you pick? What do you you don't pick? And obviously, ultimately, I think Lauren and or Steve have that call to make and all these sketches, they're so good. And that just tells you how good they are, you know, Mm. to have the cut for time, not making it. And they're this strong. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think I think these are the ones that hurt when they made the cuts. That's probably why they've seen the light of day. Now, we put on our Lorne hat in good fun here. Like, yes, I want to make it perfectly clear to anyone who's listening that we recognize that in the moment you have a thousand little factors that you need to be weighing that we can never appreciate after the fact where we're like just armchair quarterbacking this. So obviously whatever happens with the live show, it's the best they can do in the moment with what they have to work with. And just the scenario that's unfolding in front of them in the moment, it's live TV, it's chaotic live TV, and they got to roll with it. So there's, there's never any like genuine critique, at least on my part that the producers aren't doing their job. It's just purely like, Oh, you know what? In in a, in a different universe where one of these cut through, it really would have been a fun thing to have be part of some of these episodes. Um, and I, I think really could have made them better if the stars had aligned. Um, when I was in New York for the finale, a couple of the ladies who run the um, hair and makeup department, they came down to say hi. And we were just chatting about, you know, they say they listen to the cast and, and, you know, they just kind of have it on when they're, when they're doing their work throughout the week or whatever. And they enjoy it when we get it right, but they really enjoy it when we get it wrong because they love to just kind of tear us a new one. Cause they have the inside baseball, right? Like they oh, know yeah. the reality. And when, you know, when we're just off in left field and our analysis is just so utterly out <laughs> of alignment with the reality of what they saw during the week, uh, they, they can't help, but obviously, uh, and, and rightfully, uh, recognize that we don't always have the insight to be able to, uh, be analyzing the show and making these calls. So yes, all in good fun. We are, we are just ignorant, uh, people that watch the show, you know, like that's, uh, we don't know everything that's going on. This is, this is, I believe this is like the only show that still goes live. You know what I mean? Right. So we don't really know. We just, we, we just sit back, like you said, armchair quarterbacks and say, well, what should have or shouldn't, but. Obviously, we have nothing but respect for uh, the decisions that are made and the and the stress that they're under and everything else. So that's 
make that clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with, with <laughs> all of that out of the way, uh, let's, uh, let's round this out here. Let's take a look at our next pre-tape <laughs> twinnings extreme, which is T for sport. This is from the Emma Thompson episode. It was a Mikey Streeter outing. What do you think? Cut it or keep it? I definitely keep it again. Uh, another funny concept for commercial. It was, uh, very well produced. It's like watching any other, <laughs> like, you know, Gatorade or sports, yeah. whatever drink. And uh, the kicker, again, it's hot tea. And <laughs> the slow motion of Keenan getting drenched in it and the scalding. And <laughs> it's the visuals yeah. were perfect. Yeah. How they played athletes and Kate McKinnon's kennel that she made yes. with her. You know, how they made that prop. That prop was hilarious how they mm. did that. Someone had to invent that and think of that. That's, you know, that's pretty smart to be thinking about that stuff and put it in a sketch for a relatively quick sketch. Right. Um, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And they, they explain the step-by-step of how you prepare the tea, like while you're on an elliptical or whatever. Uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of fun moments there. So, uh, bottom line, cut it, keep it, keep it. All right. Another keeper. I had the fortune of seeing this one in person during dress for the Emma Thompson show. And I was actually really surprised that it got cut because it, it did seem very strong. Like you mentioned, the production quality was all there, that fast action editing, you know, with the, the slow motion sports scene, but then the, the fast ramp up of the camera move right before the cut, like it, it apes a Nike commercial or an Adidas commercial or whatever, a Gatorade commercial just so perfectly. Um, yeah. And then having that great little capper at the end where Keenan is, is literally getting second degree burns all down him because he's the coach that they're pouring Gatorade on. But no, this is Britain and in Britain, it's scalding hot tea. Oh yeah. That uh, it's just, how was, how was the audience response on this? Uh, well, my, my response was great. I thought, you know what, yeah. that's, that's smart material. You got Emma Thompson, uh, you know, like she, she can bring all of the weight of a, yeah. of a British actress to the show. And then you mix that up by putting her in, you know, something that's obviously so far removed from cricket or tennis or, <laughs> you know, these, these sports that are not known to be as like extreme as what right. we would maybe have, you know, American fair. So everything about it, I thought was just really smart. I thought it was a perfectly fitting pre-tape and uh, I was surprised that this didn't make it through. There was, there's a couple things on the Emma Thompson episode that I was really scratching my head at that. I thought, wow, how did, how did that one get through? But then something like this didn't make it through. But again, right. that's where, you know, the producers are just trying to figure it out in the moment coming up on a hard commercial break. You gotta, you gotta figure out what works. Um, but yeah, if I'd had it my way, I would have tried to keep this one in. Now I got a question for you. You went, you went to this show that you went to it live. Now, did you go to both shows or just the dress? I went to both. You went to both. Yeah. Oh, so you scored big time. What, like how long did you have to wait in line and stuff? Oh, uh, days. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. So you have to bring a tent or like, how do you do that? like there could be a whole nother podcast just on the ins and outs of the oh. standby line. But the, the Cliff's notes version is <laughs> if you're in New York, yeah. you can show up at the standby line, like Friday evening and have a really good shot at getting into at least the dress rehearsal. Right. But if you're from out of town and you're coming in just to, just to make this happen, my thinking is I'm not taking any chances. I'm getting there a day early wow. and I'm, I'm just going to go for it. You know, I'm going to put in the time and I'm going to guarantee that I'm all but first in line. Wow. Um, so that's what I do. Like if, if I come in, I'm, I head into New York usually on Wednesday, catch a show at UCB or I don't know, some other comedy club, wherever I can find something cooking that night. And then when it's like two in the morning, I'm a little bit, uh, loopy <laughs> and excessively tired. That's wow. when I go and pitch my camp chair in the standby line. And then I just waited out. So you slept in the chair for how many days? Uh, f- Wednesday night. So early Thursday oh morning, like 3am got there. Wow. And then wow. I'm there till Saturday morning. And then on Saturday you can leave, uh, check into your hotel or your Airbnb or whatever, uh, get a few hours of sleep, you know, get cleaned up and then be back at the show for 7 PM. Wow. So you have to be there for seven. So you weren't exactly, uh, I would say alert or were you? Yeah. So the first week I was fine because it, it really is just kind of like camping at a certain point. Like you're sitting in a camp chair, as long as the weather isn't devastating and just, if you're not drenched the whole time and just like soaked to the bone, it's just like sucking the life out of you. Wow. It's kind of fun. Uh, you don't get a whole <laughs> lot of sleep. You, you don't get a whole lot of sleep, but you can like cat nap or do whatever. And as long as you don't just like eat a whole bunch of fast food and just like sit there all lethargic and just make yourself sick in the line. It's, oh. it's not a big deal if the weather's good. And in May, the weather is usually pretty good. So the first week for Emma Thompson, it, it was all good. I was feeling good at the show. Wow. The next week I went back for the finale and again, did the standby line, but then I had a, an opportunity because of, uh, 
best friend of the show, uh, Justin Gardner, who's the uh, brother of Heidi Gardner. Wow. He was able to work an angle and get me cleared for the live show. So we did that. Wow. Um, so because of that, for the finale, I got in line again Wednesday, did the whole stretch. At that point, I'm really strung out and tired. <laughs> the night before, I didn't sleep at all. I just... um I was just milling around the line, like hanging out with people, played Nintendo Switch with some folks at the back of the line, <laughs> played some like Cards Against Humanity, like had a really good time, but wow. I was basically up right until dawn. So I was super strung out. Then we didn't get into our hotel room till like one in the afternoon. So I spent like the whole morning just putting around town waiting to get into my hotel, wow. get to my hotel room. By the time I've like ironed my clothes, taken a shower to get three days worth of street filth off me and actually get to bed, I had maybe two hours of sleep before I head back wow. to the show, do the show. Uh, and then meet up with uh, Justin and and Heidi's significant other to go back into the live show. Um, didn't have a chance to even grab a coffee or anything. And by the time I, I get into the live show, I'm dead. Like I can barely hold my head up. And it's, it's, it's weird because in the moment I'm like, this is amazing. I need to be taking this all in. Like I'm having the time of my life, but my body is not keeping up at that point. Like I officially hit my wall. And wow. I can just, I can just feel like my whole body going comatose as I'm just, you know, sitting there trying to make it to, uh, the after party where I can get a coffee in me. Fortunately. So, oh yeah. Number one question. Yeah. This is the, I don't know if the audience is thinking this, but three days in line or whatever. And this is the second week when you got to use the washroom, where do you go? Oh, well Does someone hold your line, yeah, yeah. hold the line so for you. There's, there's a, a line etiquette. As long as you've staked your claim to the line and you stay in the vicinity, you can mill about, you can go get wow. food. You can take care of biological necessities. <laughs> I know? was worried about you, man. I don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, they're not just going to let a bunch of people uh, relieve well, themselves on the sidewalk outside. Of hey, it's New York Center. City. I've seen it many times. Well, not, not at Rockefeller Center. Like they've got no, Rockefeller no. security. <laughs> it's a well-patrolled area. Like there's, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, it's, they understand for the length of time that people are going to be there. There has to be some reasonableness. That's so awesome. all of that is fine. And that's kind of what makes it fun is that you can, you know, you can, Go get some fun food. You can mill about the plaza. You know, you can take in the 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 sites around Rockefeller Center. You just got to oh. stay there. You can't go check yeah. into your hotel. You can't play games where like, you know, you show up for an hour and then you're gone for eight hours and then you show up yeah. for an hour. Like that's not going to fly. People are going to call you out for that. But right. as long as you enjoy kind of being down there in the heart of New York City, it's it's kind of cool. As, again, as long as the weather cooperates. Yeah. So it's like that episode of Saved by the Bell when they wanted to get you two tickets. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yes, I stayed in the mall. <laughs> Just like that. So, okay, that's a cool concept. I like that. I, I personally, I never did that, mm-hmm. but I did the after when they come out afterwards and right. waited, you know, and then, you know, see where, you know, meet, meet some people and shake hands and do all that stuff. But so you did two shows and then the after party. Now, do you feel obligated to go to the after party at this point because of the podcast? Are you going, I'm all in. That's why I came here. Or are you well, like, I'm not, I'm not obligated. I'm, I'm thrilled, right? Like, no, but I mean, what I'm saying is you're exhausted. You're so tired. You just saw two shows in a row. You've been, you've got New York stink <laughs> on you. You, you're, you're just, I, I couldn't imagine, but it's like, well, I, no, no. If you haven't into the after party, you're going to the after party. Like there no. was no question in my yeah. mind that I'm going to like bail out on this. No. Uh, first off, like it, it was a real <laughs> great gesture that, you know, Justin was willing to do me a solid like that. Wow. Um, and Heidi as well to get me cleared. So, I mean, as long as I'm standing, you know, as long as I can physically get myself down to the rink, I'm going yes. to the party. Oh, the nice 100%. thing was I got there. They had like some salad and like some light, healthy stuff, like stuff that just is going to give you a little bit of a pick me up. They had coffee. They had wow. uh, an open bar. So I, I was able to pleasantly sedate myself and ramp myself up very quickly at the after party. So it only took about half an hour before I was feeling human again and then could kind of just take it in and really recognize where I was. This isn't just some sort of fever dream. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was nice. It, <laughs> when, when you have access to coffee, the after party is well worth it. Being a super fan myself mm. and, and obviously knowing that you are, how hard was it for you to act, you know, quote unquote normal when you see people like Higgins come in, like Lauren come in right. and, and Pete Davis and all these and the, the cast, like, are you getting a drink going, okay, I'm just standing next to Michael Che right now. And this is just normal. You know, like I, that's the way I, I would think I would be. Yeah. So like, I'm kind of a little unique in that regard because on the inside, obviously like I'm excited to be in the midst of these people and, you know, see them and be like, oh, these people actually exist. And they're not nearly as big as you'd think they'd be when you like, see them. <laughs> like I have all of those like fan notions, right. but I'm a pretty like 
placid person. Like I don't really like geek out in a really yeah. like excited, emotive right. way. And I'm not uh, like super duper gregarious by nature. Mm. So I really like being in the midst and I, I was thrilled that I was able to, you know, speak with some of the people at, at the show and, and, you know, fulfill, you know, a few bucket list items of being able to congratulate, uh, some of my favorites on the show. Wow. Um, so like I had those experiences, but I'm not a gushing fangirl kind of right. person, right. but I'm also, I also have like no game either. So it's not like I'm coming up to them all like, <laughs> you know, too cool for school. I'm just Rico Suave. I'm just kind of an, an, an awkwardly quiet, uh, sort of, yeah, presence. Uh, I don't know what I look like at this point after so many hours of just right. devastating myself physically. Um, but yeah, after I had a couple of coffees in me, I was, I was having oh. a blast. Good for you. Now you said it's on the, on your bucket list. Who, yeah. who in particular did you have a chance to actually talk to? Well, uh, a few people, I'm not going to yeah. mention all oh. names, but, okay. uh, I like my wife said, I'll let you go to New York. I'll let you do this. Wow. But you, you got to tell Keenan Thompson that I've loved him since all that. Wow. And that, I couldn't be more thrilled that it's now back in his hands and he gets to bring it to our kids because our oldest is just turning six and like to have a sketch show for them to kind of cut their teeth on. That's, yeah. that's a really thrilling prospect for my style of comedy nerd. Like me and my yes. wife kind of think that's pretty cool. You know, we, we cool. had a chance to watch the premiere episode a, a few days back and uh, it was adeptly handled, you know, how they brought in the, the previous <laughs> cast to kind of do their handoffs. And it, it was a lot of fun. So anyways, um, she said, I don't care what you do but let Keenan know that he's loved and we couldn't be more proud that, you know, he's taken it to the next level that he, you know, rocked SNL and now he's got a sitcom ramping up. He's got all that. He's got, you know, the other stuff, he's got the, the sketch comedy game show thing that he's doing there, whatever yeah. competition show. Um, yeah. so just to see him going to the next level, she said, you got, you got at least make sure that you talk to Keenan Thompson and let him know that we think he's great. So wow. I made sure I did that. You've got a great wife, by the way. I do. I do. Wow. So yeah, I got to spend a few minutes getting a little bit of liquid courage in me. And then when he stopped <laughs> being mobbed, he was actually at the table next to me. Like I was able to sit with Heidi's entourage, so to speak, like they have their own designated tables. So that was near some of the other cast, but he kind of came in with his peeps and his wife. And, and so he was, there was a lot of people in his sphere. Right. So I bided my time and it wasn't until later in the night when things start to clear out and it's more casual and you can just kind of, you know, just go up to them without. Uh, just so many people vying for their time and attention right? and, you know, just shake their hand and say, Hey, I uh, think you rocked it. That's awesome. Wow. So yeah, that was a really nice moment. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so many others, uh, there's, there's some people that listen to the show that, um, I was aware of, but I hadn't met in person because, wow. you know, like there's, you got to keep a little bit of propriety and distance and there's, uh, <laughs> non-disclosure agreements and things like that in place. So, um, yeah. it, it was nice to be able to, to be able to, you know, just say hi to them and put a you know face to the name and stuff like that too. So um yeah, uh meeting the cast or just seeing the cast, you know, out mingling, doing their thing. The only time that I would say that I truly got a little like flustered and lost for words was um <laughs> when Cecily Strong came over to the bar. I was I was kind of I, I don't know what it is, but she has a a presence that yeah. you know everyone knows like she's, she's a cutie. Like yes. <laughs> uh, yes. she, she's a nice looking lady, very attractive, but, uh, in person that has quite a, quite an impact at, you know, four in the morning. <laughs> I don't know when you've had a few too many anyways. Um, I want to try to pick her up. Is that no, no, what no. you're saying? No, right no. <laughs> I, what I did was <laughs> I, I was, I tried to graciously let her go in front of me in line, oh. you know, cause I was waiting to get my drink. But you don't leave Cecily Strong waiting. I'm a Canadian. I'm a gentleman. I'm, if, yes. you know, I'm going to let her, you know, get to the front of the bar and, and, you know, uh, get her done. Um, but get for whatever, done. but for whatever reason, when I, you know, when I turned around to express, Hey, you know, go, you know, go ahead, go and go in front of me, you know, scoot in here. Um, I just couldn't find the words. I just, I was whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like a starstruck moment. I've never had that in my whole life where wow. I couldn't, you know, figure out how to in some way competently communicate a very basic idea but yeah wouldn't come to me maybe it had to do with the fact that you haven't slept and you've gone to two shows yeah, and it's 4 yeah. a.m it might in the alcohol might have sure. something to do with it. i'm just gonna put that out there yeah no that was the moment when i realized i've pushed my 37 year old body a little too far <laughs> on this one and i just yeah i'm at the end of my rope and uh wow. yeah i'm just uh, i'm fading um but nonetheless still makes for a good story even if i couldn't figure out how to communicate like a human being 
That's amazing. Now, I got one more question for you because sure. I've been outside the after parties right. uh, many times. And uh, it's so cool when like a car will show up and obviously the the, the NBC security guys, got to know them, very good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what up? Uh, anyways, <laughs> so I know, you know, all these guys and the security and whenever a, a car or a limo shows up and a, and a celebrity comes out, a cast member comes out, you know, they look around, say, say hello to the people, maybe get a picture. And then they walk in and the security's there and they give them a nod. Like, what's up? We're in mm. here. This is our party. Ah. And they let them in just like in the mask. Remember <laughs> when they're at the mask waiting to get in the Coco Bongo sure. and you know, you got the, you got the, okay, you're going into the coolest place in New York city. In the world, in my opinion, this is the best party in the world. And you, you've named your podcast after <laughs> where you are right now. And you like, you're walking in, you're a baller, you're part of an entourage. <laughs> now, did you nod or did you put your head down like a polite Canadian and said, hi, and this like went in? You know what? I did nod, but I, yes. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my experience with security because okay. I've done the standby line uh, like a half a dozen times or so. and. When you come into the show through standby, you're herded in like cattle. Like there is no sense that you're a human being. You are there on their (laughs) terms because of their good graces. And if you step out of line for even a second, your, your ass is out of there. Like there's, there's no playing around when it's the common riffraff trying to get into SNL. That's right. So I've been through that process many times of being herded through that and just knowing that, yeah, there's, there's, there's no room to play here. Right. Even eye contact seems like you're challenging their authority. So (laughs) I I've seen that version of it. And what was really awesome was for the finale, yeah. I meet uh, Justin and Heidi's significant other in the lobby of 30 rock. And we go up, you know, the grand staircase to, to go see the show. Wow. And I walk in and the same head of security that manages the standby line and just, you know, reads us the riot act and lays down the law and is no yeah. nonsense. And just, you know, it like just looks at you like you're just human filth. Yeah. Um, we walk up, under this context and everybody smiles and like, how you doing? And all yeah. they've got, you know, they're schmoozing and, and, you know, personable and all the pages are like coming up and, um, you know, just like glad handing and just, just making you feel like a million bucks. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> what no. is this? Oh. And it's, the, and it's the same people, like, That's especially this, this one in particular security, like head of security, um, seeing him as a peer rather yes. than, you know, <laughs> his like boot on my throat. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's a totally different experience that way. So that felt really cool. And, and, um, I kind of like, I saw him kind of look at me a little weird because he recognized me from like the front of the standby line coming yes. up a couple hours earlier. Oh. And I knew for a second, he looked at me like, did this guy just figure out how to sneak in? Has he switched oh, his armband? Wow. Is he playing an angle? And it looked like he was going to like scrutinize me and try and figure out if there were some shenanigans afoot. And then he saw who I was with. Wow. Heidi's people. And he stepped back and the, the, the gates opened and I got to be part of that world as a human being. So yes, I got to go into the studio like a, like a legitimate ass person. And, uh, that, that felt (laughs) pretty good. You couldn't be any whiter on that comment. (laughs) I got to say a legitimate ass person. Wow. All the Americans got, holy crap. These guys are definitely Canadian. Yeah. That's as hardcore as I get. But, uh, anyways, yes, it's a whole different when you're, when you're invited, it's a whole different experience. And I, I have to add to this story because I've had a similar uh, a thing where a uh, story where the security I uh, living in New York, I'm like, I have to be around 30 rock. This is this is I'm drawn to this place. I've taken the NBC uh, studio tour just right. to see uh, Studio 8H more times I can count. OK, I went to Jimmy Fallon. It was late night with, mm-hmm. uh, with Jimmy Fallon. I went to when he did his uh, audience uh, warm ups right. and he tries jokes. I'm not kidding you. Like two weeks in a row. So I saw the security all the time <laughs> and to the point where he goes, he takes me out of line one day. I'm not going to say his name, but it does rhyme with Ron. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, Hey man, he's like, uh, were you here yesterday? I said, yeah. And he goes, were you here the day before? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, you, you can't do this every day. I go, I'm sorry. I don't have a job right now. And, uh, I just, I love this. So, uh, fast forward to two months later, 
where, you know, I would see him at the after parties and I right. would obviously be respectful. I wouldn't say anything. I just, you know, kind of, he would look at me like, oh, geez, there's this guy again. Mm-hmm. So I, that was my rapport with him at that point. Fast <laughs> forward until I got the audition. I go there. I get the pass that says Matthew yeah. Hawkins, Studio <laughs> 8H visitor. Yeah. And I went over to him smiling and I said, Ron, I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> this is why I went all the time to audition this is why i'm here so we had a good laugh mm-hmm. from that point on he understood where i was coming from you were a this- human being in his eyes i'm a human now yes. we can talk we weren't on the hugging stuff like steve but we were a solid <laughs> handshake and i won't get out of line but i got to do my business and that's why i came from canada mm-hmm. so uh from that point on i think i've seen him two times after that so mm-hmm. we're we're like on a hey, how are you? There kind you of go. A thing. He's so you get it. You you understand. I it's totally all about context. Hundred percent. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, we got to round out this podcast. Wow, we're going long. So for our final live sketch at David's retirement party, two employees from IT perform their obnoxious brand of computer focused new wave music. This is from the Paul Rudd episode, and uh, it's a Will Steven Beck Bennett joint. What do you think? Cut it or keep it? Uh, I say keep it. It's okay. uh, for a lot of reasons. First of all, it was just kind of ironic that it's uh, uh, the character, obviously Keenan. Uh, there's talk of him right. he might be leaving the show. So there's like, is this like, are you trying to is tell this us something? Yeah. yeah. Is this the send off sketch? Is this the, like, you know, he's retiring. So I didn't know about that. thought that was uh, interesting with that. Um, this kind of remind me when, when they came out, uh, Paul and Beck, it reminded me of space pants. Like mm-hmm. right away, I was like, okay, this is a very space pants esque type uh, sketch. Um, the computer song again, Beck does awkward like nobody else. Uh, <laughs> Keenan near the end broke, right. and it was it, if that was his last retirement sketch, it was uh, it was a shame it wasn't it. Mm-hmm. If that that was it, yeah. Now I, I I think the latest developments on the Keenan front is that informally mm-hmm. the expectation is that he's still going to be involved with the show next year. We don't exactly know what capacity, but he hasn't formally announced that he's going. And you would think that if, if Keenan was going, that there would be like a big send off, right? Like this is the longest tenured cast member ever. Yeah. So I would have expected, uh, what's up with that or something like that, where they just brought back every person that ever participated in that and just blew it out or something. Yeah. I I think if this had been his send off sketch, I would have felt a little gypped on it personally. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was serviceable, but this, this sort of thing where you've got two characters that are intentionally kind of like commandeering a situation for their own personal aggrandizement. Uh, it's fun. We see these kind of things a lot and there just wasn't anything that I thought was super exceptional about it. It, it was fun enough, but I didn't mind seeing it not make the cut personally. Right. Like I, I would have been fine with seeing it would have been fine with it getting cut. Yeah. I really, I really am ambivalent because this to me just felt very middle of the road. No, I a hundred percent agree. Very good. So uh, that is all of our officially released cut for time sketches. There's really only one big question. Which cut for time sketch was the best of the rest? To me, Kyle Mooney, the Adam Z, the new cast member. New cast member. Yeah. Okay. To me, that was, uh, like I said, striking gold. Mm -hmm. Kyle Mooney at his best. He he hit all marks on my to-do list. He he nailed it. And uh, by far, my favorite. Very good. Uh, mine too. No controversy. Um, the SNLCU, we didn't see a lot of it this season. Um, I think we saw yeah. one at the beginning with Pete Davidson, where it's kind of like uh, Kyle Mooney's feeling a little, um, I don't know, jealous of his uh, newfound notoriety. But other than that, yeah, we, we didn't have a lot of outings with it. And I was really ready to see one. And I thought it was really good. I, I thought that they, they hit all the, the, the right buttons that you need to hit to make one of these land. And the dialogue is always fun and it's just always fun to just be backstage, even though this is heightened and it's not really reality. You kind of feel like you're getting a little bit of a, uh, a backstage experience if, if not in this ridiculous, you know, bizarro world. So I always have fun with them. They're always a win. And, uh, just the fact that they've been able to keep the quality so high with them. I, I gotta say that's, you know, that's solid. That's a, a win. And it's really the one that I think I got the most like legitimate belly laughs out of. Um, I would say that maybe glitter, litter, automatic glitter factory would be a, oh. a runner up because you, you, the sight gags and that are really yeah. satisfying oh. too. And the dialogue and that is surprisingly smart. Just the way that, you know, they they're just absolutely uh, there. There's, there's this revulsion for anything feline in this commercial all about cats. So, uh, something fun about that too. But yeah, I, I think that new cast member edged it out. A hundred percent agree, my man. 
Yep. Okay. So uh, I think that's uh, probably as deep as we need to dig on all that. That's a, that's a solid cast. I got my work cut out for me on the edit this week. Um, why don't you uh, tell people where they can find your stuff if anyone wants to look into what you got cooking? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at, uh, on Instagram at Hawkamania underscore. That's Hawkamania underscore. Uh, you could also find me uh, on Twitter at the mimic hawkins or youtube uh matthew hawkins was one of my pages there's some stand-up and some impressions then uh, i have another youtube uh page called the mimic and all in capitals and you'll find some uh, newer stuff on that awesome all right well i am so glad that we were able to uh pull you back in for another go round. your story your continuing story fascinates me Ugh. i loved being able to break it down and uh, share it with our audience i hope it's a fun little summer hold me over that uh, will keep everyone excited about the show and what's cooking behind the scenes till they come back in the fall. Um, yeah. So with that said, thanks a lot for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate this opportunity, my man. All right. That's a cast. Thanks to my guest, Matthew Hawkins. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Aaron and Trader, Neil Weinstein, and Justin Gardner. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to talk a little vintage SNL with Austin-based sketch and improv veteran Dave Buckman. But until then, this has been episode number 82 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>